Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Before the Pistons lost to the Nets the other night, Stan Van Gundy was asked about it being Detroit's third game in four nights and this trend of teams resting players during the regular season. And it's really started early this year. Plenty of teams have have sat healthy players, given them a night off. And you can see some of the upside uh, for a lot of teams that are more secure in their playoff position, you know, that they know they're going to make it. Uh, to rest players, to keep them healthy, uh, to have them in peak form when it matters most. All the medical evidence points to to giving players more rest being a generally good thing. Uh, and I think you can just look at the fact, not that this means it is right, but as a good indicator that the teams that get other things right, teams that win a lot, uh, teams that we can see are the smarter teams, the Spurs, the Warriors, teams like that, that they, they are really high on resting players. So maybe they just do a lot of things right and also happen to rest players. Uh, but there does really seem to be a lot of support, a lot of evidence uh, that we can see that is publicly available and just the indicators around it, the private medical info that teams have point to this. The idea that resting players is good. The Pistons in that Nets game, of course, came out very flat, fell behind big. Uh, made a little bit of a comeback, ended up losing. Andre Drummond's energy was particularly disappointing. Uh, he was benched for the final 16-plus minutes. Talked more about that in depth yesterday on the podcast. If you didn't listen to that, you can check it out. I'm not going to go back all the way through uh, what that means for Andre Drummond right now. Uh, but I do want to talk about this answer Stan Van Gundy gave about the trend of teams resting players. And I want to read the whole thing. It's a little long, uh, but I think there's a lot in here to unpack. Uh, And this is through Michael Scotto of Basketball Insiders. Van Gundy, quote, that's up to each coach, I guess, and each organization. Look, I'm not one to do it. Our guys get paid to play 82 games. Everybody that's healthy will play for us every single night, but that's just us. Unfortunately, you've got to be willing to. As a coach now, you're going to get criticized for that. If you try to win every game, you get criticized for that now. You don't have a long-term vision, and you're short-sighted. That all may be true of me, but we're going to put our best guys out there every night and try to win. It's been a little surprising to, to me, the guys being rested already. I mean, are guys really worn down already? We're four games into this year, and guys are resting their players. That part has been surprising to me. I know it's a league-wide trend as we get into the season, but I really didn't expect to see it the first week, to be quite honest. That's not us, and there are other ways to rest people. The media will judge you by how many minutes your guys play, but we can actually rest guys other ways. Tomorrow will be a day off for us. That's a day of rest, and I think actually we'll provide more rest for them than playing four fewer minutes tonight or something like that. 
I don't think you have to rest guys game night. I think it's fine if people want to. That's their choice, and people have done it very effectively. I think every team and every guy is a different situation. It's just not the way we're going to do things, and I'll take whatever criticism comes with that. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. So let, let's start with this. I think Van Gundy likes coming across as this old school grump who doesn't like analytics or resting players or any of this newfangled stuff and cell phones and you know kids, kids playing on computers instead of outside. I think he likes this old school mentality and wants to be known as that. I think he takes pride in that reputation. You could see this when he went to the Sloan Sports Conference uh, between his jobs with, with the Magic and the Pistons. And he was sort of on the panel as the alternative point of view, the type of person who pushes back against analytics. And he said some things uh, that you can do a little pull quote and make him seem that way. And there was maybe some truth to that in that setting relative to the other people on those panels at this analytics conference. And and the big pull quote from this quote is going to be, our guys get paid to play 82 games. That's that's going to be the big one. That's where people are going to start. Uh, and I think Van Gundy's fine with that. I think he likes that. I, I think that's the reputation he wants. However, he's actually a pretty forward-thinking person on analytics. When he was at the Sloan Sports Conference, uh, his point was not so much that analytics are bad. His point was that dumb analytics are bad, which everybody should agree with. Junk in, junk out. That's, that's just common sense. If you start with bad data, you're going to get bad results. So the example he gave was something like, okay, well, if you're tracking pick and rolls, you know, scoring out of pick and roll, does the person who's tracking that, somebody has to either design a a algorithm that identifies pick and roll from from the XYZ data that can say, hey, when players move this way and have definitions on it, we are going to define that as a pick and roll. Does that person is is that formula, is that algorithm doing it accurately? Or if it's just a person watching video and checking a box, do they really understand what they're looking at? Do they know enough about basketball to identify it? So you could say a team scores X amount of points per pick and roll, but Van Gundy brings up, okay, but sometimes you don't run a pick and roll to get points out of it. You run it to get the defense moving to set up something else. So your pick and roll game could be effective in that way or ineffective in that way. Uh, But if you don't understand that, if you don't have this basketball understanding that he does, that coaches do, if you are just a statistician with a passing interest in the game, you might not pick up on those things. So those pick and roll numbers might not reflect what you want them to reflect. That is not anti-analytics. A lot of people took it that way. And like I said, I think Van Gundy's pleased with that. But that's not anti-analytics at all. Uh, So I don't think Van Gundy's anti-rest. I think he wants some people to think he is a little bit. I don't think he minds it at least. I think he likes being the curmudgeon. And so that's why he can go on a little rant like this and, and have a little fun with it. I did laugh a little bit reading his quote uh, where he talks about uh, being criticized for not having a long-term vision and being short-sighted because a lot of times if a coach is not resting players, that's what it is. That's why they're criticized. And especially uh, from a different era, and we're moving past this a little bit, uh, and there's still some coaches who think this way. There are some coaches who just don't value rest. They just don't. 
And there used to be a lot more. They thought, you know, it built toughness, and there might be a case to that. I, I'm not arguing right or wrong right now. I'm just saying this is how some coaches feel. Van Gundy is not anti-rest. He is of the belief that playing three fewer minutes per game is not a big deal, that there are more meaningful ways to get rest, to have a full day off, to not have practice. There, there are different things the team can do, and he's embracing those and maybe even has data on his side. Games are not the only thing people do. That's not the only way that players get tired. I think the 76ers are doing something very interesting with Joel Embiid, where he's not, he didn't go with them on a road trip because uh, it was the second day of the back-to-back. He wasn't playing. The travel is, is exhausting. That's a large part of why NBA players are so tired. I don't know if Van Gundy is going to leave players home who he doesn't project in the rotation because, like he says, they get paid for 82 games. Uh, so I don't think he's this real stubborn old-school coach who's so short-sighted. Uh, that might be a small part of it. You know, I do think he is a coach. He came up through coaching. Yeah, he runs at the front office now, but he does it from a coach's perspective. And a lot of that is based on the here and now and immediate results. And his patience might not always be what it should be. I've been actually pleasantly surprised with his long-term vision and patience. And I think he has done very well there overall. But he still comes to this with a coaching outlook for better or worse. And that means a desire for immediate results. And that means playing your best players as much as you can within reason. I I think he sees the bigger picture. I think he sees the forest for the trees. Uh, So I'm not concerned by this quote. I do think that's why he's presenting himself this way, because he he enjoys that reputation. Uh, But I do think he understands the value of rest and maybe going about it and getting it in some ways that we don't see through shorter practices or things like that. Uh, Speaking of player travel, Van Gundy also said that Henry Ellenson and Michael Binaget will not be going with the Pistons on their West Coast trip, uh, four-game trip. They're going to the D-League, both of the rookies. I'm a little surprised by that, uh, just because the Pistons already have two players on their inactive list who just, at least so far, can't play. Reggie Jackson is out, and... Darren Hilliard has been bothered by back spasms. Maybe this is a a good indicator that Hilliard is ready to return or close to it. But if he's not, the Pistons will be going uh, with just 11 players available for these West Coast games. Out of the 13 possible, maybe it'll just be 12 of 13, but they will still be a man down uh, with Ellenson and Benajay in the D-League uh, if all goes well, those two wouldn't have played anyway. They're just not part of the rotation yet. They're not particularly close. The D-League minutes will be better for them in the long run. Uh, but if the injury bug hits, foul trouble, something, uh, they will not be available. Uh, the Pistons' D-League roster is fairly interesting this year. They traded their first-round draft pick for Jordan Crawford. Detroit native went to Xavier, spent some time in the NBA, uh, they also drafted Shannon Brown out of Michigan State, another former NBA first-round pick, so some names you might be familiar with. Uh, plus, Ray McCallum is going to go to the D-League. We talked about whether he still would, whether there was a deal or not, uh, an understanding or not that he would, and maybe uh, he would lose interest the 
the unfortunately cold-hearted way the Pistons cut him for Beno Udra at the last minute after telling McCallum he'd make the team. Uh, but he is going to go to the D-League. He'll be familiar with the system there. Uh, that should be good for him. And whether this forced him out or not, or if this was just a financial thing, uh, Lorenzo Brown, who lost the would-be non-existent job uh, as the 15th man to Ray McCallum, he's going to sign with Russia. Shout out to Danny LaRue there. Uh, he's going to sign with Russia, and so he will not be on the D-League team. I wouldn't get too worked up about D-League rosters. All these players are NBA free agents. If the Pistons want to sign them, they can. If another team wants to sign them, they can. Uh, there's, there's no hold on them because they're on the Pistons affiliate. It's just sort of an inside track for evaluating them and getting them familiar with your system. There are advantages, but they're still playing basketball. Just as everybody is around the D-League, Pistons could sign someone from another team's D-League affiliate. Pistons are hosting the Nuggets tomorrow night. It's their final game before this this road trip. The Nuggets are no joke. Don't overlook them. I really like Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic. Those two young big men are still learning how to play with each other. The Nuggets are better when they only have one of them on the court. They're still okay with both of them. Nurkic is a real strong interior presence. Uh, Jokic... He is not a finesse player, but he, relative to Nurkic, he's more finesse, uh, a really good passer, a, a smart defender. Just, I think a really overall nice young player. Uh, the Nuggets are in good hands with both of them. Uh, the comparison I keep making to the Nuggets is a lot of people were very high in the Timberwolves this year as a team that was going to make a big leap. I see the Nuggets right in the same boat. I am no more confident in the Timberwolves than I am in the Nuggets and vice versa. Both teams are well-coached. Both have a lot of young talent. Uh, both have some interesting veterans. The Nuggets have Danilo Gallinari, probably their best player. Uh, he could give the Pistons some troubles at combo forward, somebody who can stretch out. The key is going to be not letting Emmanuel Moutier beat you, really hoping he beats himself. Uh, he's, he's very young, still erratic. Uh, and so Denver is prone to, to some trouble there with, with such a young point guard. Uh, so the Pistons defense is going to have to do enough to just not let him get going. Where somebody like Derrick Rose or even Jeremy Lin uh, with, with the Nets more recently, where those guys are crafty veterans, they recognized a mismatch they could get going downhill to put up points. Ish Smith and Ben Oudre are going to have to defend a, a little better against Emmanuel Moutier, and maybe he'll beat himself. He's just He's not a steady player yet, very talented, uh, but I don't think he has the bag of tricks like those other veterans to to really take advantage. If the Pistons can do that, if Moutier's turning the ball over a lot, the Pistons should be in good shape. If they can't do that, well, it's still at home. They're still coming off uh, a, a day or two of rest. They still, I think, are a better team than the Nuggets. Uh, so they could still be okay. Uh, but that's where I'd be looking to first to really seize control of the game. We'll be back on Monday to to look back on that one to look forward to this West Coast trip and anything else going on with the Pistons. We're here Monday through Friday daily. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.
Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17